Ayan, uh, hindi mapapas in the word of prayer. Let's pray. Morning. So let's start by reading the passage first of all on John chapter 3, uh, chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. And today we will finish up the last part of John chapter chapter 4, verses 41 and 42 together. Okay, so we shall read together John chapter 4, verses 31 to 42. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the women, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we now we know that this is indeed the Saviour of the world. Shall we through for verses 41 to 42 again? And we shall zoom in on them. Uh, and see how the transformation of the Samaritans uh, started and actually how they have transformed into a different type of belief compared to verse 40. So verse 41 to 42. Uh, verses 41 to 42. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the women, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. So as we start off with verse 41, we see something here. We see an impression that Christ gives to them. The conversations that they have with Christ, the things that they have seen in Christ, led them to their salvation. They come to believe in his word during these two days when Jesus stayed with them. And throughout these two days, many things that could have happened. Jesus could have told them many things that we don't know about since it's not recorded. However, nonetheless, we reckon that whatever Jesus has spoken to them was big enough for them to come to believe him in. What Christ said and did convinced them that he is the Christ. The laborers of a minister is a man that can be seen through his fruit. 
that through the fruit of Christ, we see his duty, his ministerial duty, and his duty as the son of God, to bring people to him. First, they heard him to great effect. But now, they see with their own eyes, which brought a greater effect. What do I mean by that? But in verse 40, verse, sorry, in verse 39, we see that many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the women's testimony. This belief itself might be a very it might be a very small type of belief in the sense that they believe that the what the women say is true, he is a prophet. But whether he's the Christ or not is still something up for debate at that point of time in verse 39. But yet nonetheless, we recognize that that was to a great effect. And that effect was that they came out of the town to see Christ. However, now seeing Christ and hearing whatever he said and whatever he did, it has a greater effect of them not just believing in him as a prophet, but much more. And so we will explore this aspect of this greater effect. What is this greater effect that had upon the Samaritans in verses 41 to 42? First of all, we note that many came to believe. Many more came to believe in verse 41. More people came to believe. Many of them, of this group of people that came to believe, might be those that just blindly follow the group. They went with the flow, they went with the heart, they went with the, the group. We see that many of the Samaritans came out to talk to him. But how many of them are genuinely seeking? We do not know. You know, even in today's day and age, we can see that that people just follow follow trends, follow the world, follow whatever. They go in pack of groups to see something. And so, in a very similar manner for the Samaritans, it's the same. Some of them came out blind, followed blindly to see this Christ, but they do not genuinely believe in him. What else? What more than that? This many more could be referring to the neighbors who are who choose not to come out of their homes to come and see the Christ. There's many more people that did not hear the women preach, did not hear the women say these things. And some of them might even outright choose to ignore this Samaritan woman for all the things that she had done in the past. She's unworthy of being hurt. And so they did not they did not follow her. But yet we see that this coming of a great number in verse 41. So in some ways or another, we see a trend, so-called a trend of salvation. That these people, when there are people who are forward, uh, forward and zealous, you know, they might indeed provoke many others to Christ. In a very similar manner, we see this in Romans chapter 11, verses 13 to 14. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles in as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministries in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So in this very example that Paul spoke about, it, is, it shows us that sometimes, you know, getting people to Christ might affect others coming to Christ. In a very similar manner for the Samaritans themselves, 
when a group, a big group of people come into Christ, it might just so-called spark something in the rest of the hearts of the other people to come to see Christ. And also we note something else in John chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 40. Jesus doesn't stop working within these two days of his ministry. The Christ never stopped working. And also, it's something for us to think about. Do we refrain from working? Throughout these two days, might be for us two years. Throughout this duration, do we get people to Christ? I think this is something to reflect upon about. Christ never refrained from preaching. Christ never refrained from talking to the people around. Christ never refrained from doing good deeds. But what about us, ourselves? Do we think about that? You know, do we give up after a duration, after a period when no more people come to Christ? You see that on the first day, many people came to Christ. Many more came after that. But what if for ourselves, we face a time of despair and trouble when no one comes to Christ for a good two years, 20 years? What do we do then? Do we get despair or do we get trouble? And do we stop doing the good work? I think this is something as gospel workers, as young Christians, we need to think a bit more about. When do we stop? Should we stop? In times of trouble and despair, do we look onto Christ and say that if we work hard enough and God is teasing, He will give us more fruit together? So this is something for us to think a bit more about today. If we go to verse 42, we see something different now. First of all, we see a grow in number in verse 41. Now we see in verse 42 a grow in faith, spiritual growth. This is of the utmost importance to us, and this is very true even today. This grow in faith is a reflection of ourselves. This Samaritan's coming to faith is a reflection of ourselves. Growing in faith um, in matters of areas of growth. Okay. First of all, it's what matters they believe or which they believe. At first, as mentioned before in verse 39, it has been suggested that this group of Samaritan uh, came to believe in Christ more or less as a prophet, a great messenger. But now they believe in him to be Christ, the anointed one, the one expected to save them. As we can see in verse 42, at the end of verse 42, he has he's the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. The, the one that expected to save them. The one who will save us from sin. And not only from the Jews, but yet salvation was granted to the ends of the earth. You know, this is something that is proven true here. And this is something for us to always remember about. In the book, in the Jewish traditions, there has always been an understanding of this. This is written in Isaiah 49, verse 6. That we should well, read, of course, but nonetheless, is recognized that this salvation is to the ends of the earth and not just to the Jews themselves. 
we also see something that the Samaritans are blessed with. That the Samaritans are blessed with is an important role of the mission journey of the apostles. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a very famous verse where we come where we talk about missions and whatnot. Verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We see Samaria mentioned explicitly here as the only city that is not part of the Jewish tradition. They are Jewish men in some ways, but they are not the pure breed. They are corrupted in some sense. But here we see that the Samaritans plays an important role here. And we see that they are recognized as a group of people who will preach the gospel to the uh, to the rest of the world. And we see that being played out here in John chapter 4. And we see the recognition of this specific group of people known as the Samaritans. Their faith is certain. The second point, you know, in growing their faith, their faith is certain. When we go back up to look at verse 39, some suggested that they believe was not a true belief in Christ. In the sense that it's not it's a preparation of it. It's not the belief that we know it today as the true belief of Christ. But now they have a proper faith, a true faith in Christ. When we see verse 42, it says uh, there's a word indeed here mentioned. It's indeed the saviour of the world. This indeed can be translated to as truly. And what does it mean for us? It's not a typical Jesus, a saviour, a type of Jesus. A type is what we call an Old Testament person when he foreshadows Christ. For example, we can say that David was a type of Christ. In certain things that he did, he, he symbolised Christ in the Old Testament. But right now, these Samaritans, when they're speaking to Jesus, this assumed prophet, is not just a type of Christ anymore. It's not just a typical saviour, but a true saviour, a true Christ, the true one. Not one who pretends to be one, but one who is genuine. This is an assurance for us as we labour that we think it is, is highly probable. Not, no, not that we think that which is highly probable and willing to suppose, but we indeed know. What do I mean by that? We indeed know that Christ is the Savior. We truly take Him as the Savior. Not as a probability and not as a willingness for us to suppose. You know, this is an issue that many of us as Christians have today. They're willing to face it. This is ingrained into many of our evangelism also when we talk to our friends. I'm not sure how many of you are aware of this. But if you were to talk to some people when they speak to others about Christianity, they'll say, well, you can try out Christ. There's a higher probability of there being a God than there not being a God. Um, if I'm not wrong, it's a minute science or something. There's a YouTube channel out there. They try to use math to calculate the probability of the existence of God. It's a very interesting idea. It's a very fun thing to do. 
but is absolutely terrible and wrong in its cause. And many of us Christians has bought into it. I have heard some people trying to say this to others to bring them to Christ. Here it goes. Well, uh, my dear friend, you should believe in the Christian God. What do you have to lose? If you believe in the Christian God and it is wrong, well, it doesn't change what state you are in now. You do not believe and after you die, you die. But if you believe and it is wrong, you die, you don't lose anything. But if you believe and it's true, well, you gain something. So we are playing with probability right here, doing a gambling, a gamble with this so-called God, whether he's real or not. And even if he's not real, real, you don't really lose anything. This is a very big issue that we have going on in the church today. Many of us suppose that we, that God is there. There is a very high probability that God is there. We all learn math, we all learn probability. We all think that there is a probability there. But what should a true Christian do? In verse 41, it's plain and clear that the Samaritans did not weigh the faith. They did not weigh and say that, hey, you know, believing in God has a higher probability of it being true. So we should believe. But what, what of it? Why are we weighing it? Why are we supposing it to be true? But indeed, the saviour of the world, this is a true statement. Truly, he is the saviour of the world. And so do we take it, take him as the true creator? Do we stand firm in him in his saying that he is indeed the saviour of the world? Something for us to think about. Something I want you guys to go back and contemplate about. And something that I want you guys to be careful about when we are evangelizing to our friends. Many of us will tend to go into this form of gambling with the faith. We should be careful that for if these people come into Christ by probability, they will live because of probabilities. So something for us to think a bit about. Well, the next thing, the next thing that I have to point out is the grounding of the Samaritans. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard ourselves and we know. It is like a kind of spiritual sensation and experience. What do I mean by that? The woman herself in the early earlier part of John chapter 4, we see an interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. We see a form of sensation, we see a form of experience of this Samaritan woman. We see how she has come to interact with Christ and how she has personally experienced Christ. Then what about the Samaritan woman? In verse 39, is it possible for them to experience Christ? I think by no means they could. But right now in verse 42, when they have spoken to Christ for the two days, they have come to it. It's a good start to believe in the woman. But now they have a firm foundation. You know, this is something for us today as modern readers 
to also have reflect a bit about more. How often do we experience Christ and how often do we have the sensation of Christ? To live with Christ, to dwell with Christ, to read his word, to pray with pray to him. All this. Do we have that today as an experience for ourselves? Or are we dependent on other people's experience for that? Now we believe because we have heard him ourselves and have heard such excellent and divine truths accompanied with such commanding power and evidence that we are abundantly satisfied and assured that this is the Christ. Are we going off other people's saying or are we personally coming to God? You know, throughout, throughout these few years, there's a very great emphasis that uh, throughout these few years that you guys are with me and brother Waitia and YPF, often always emphasize your own reading of the scriptures, your own understanding, your own interpretation. Not just listening to us nagging at you guys about the scripture itself, but for you guys to truly experience the scriptures, to know the scriptures, we can't help all of you. We can't help any of you, in fact, to experience scriptures. We can guide you to, to read the scriptures. We can guide you to see the scriptures. But you have to experience it yourself. The truth of experiencing scriptures is not helped by others. We can't help you. This is something impossible. And so, do we, like the Samaritan women, uh, the Samaritan people, sorry, experience Christ? Do we actively seek out this experience with Christ? Or do we just stop at verse 39 believing a woman's testimony? Another person experience. Yes, another person experience and testimony is helpful. But our faith is not built upon that. Our faith cannot be built upon the testimony of another person. Our faith must be built upon God himself. You see, this group of Samaritans, when they came to Christ, they already said it is no longer because of what the woman testified. But they themselves had a firm foundation for what they have heard in Christ. We can almost see this as the woman, as the preacher, and the rest of the Samaritans as new believers. Yes, for the start, you have to listen to a preacher. You have to listen to someone that brings the gospel to you. Because when you read the scripture, you might not understand. In fact, you won't understand. And we'll explore the thought a bit later uh, soon. But how do we bring their faith up onto a deeper level, a more mature level? That is to speak to Christ himself personally and to experience his divine grace personally also. So, the question comes for ourselves, where does our faith sense? Is it on our parents? Is it on our church leaders? Is it on the YP, other YPFers? Or someone else in church? Or is it in a proper posture that is reliant upon God himself? Okay, the last point that I want to bring up is the coming of faith. Faith comes to the birth by hearing the report of men. Faith comes into birth by the report of men. How the faith comes to a person is true of men. For in this case, it's a Samaritan woman. 
the Samaritans, for the sake of the women, saying, believe as far as they come and see. They come and make a trial, make a judgment for themselves. This is, this is what they have done. They have come to see Christ, to know Christ. Plus, as mentioned before, this is the duty of preachers, and parents even, the testimony of the church and our experience to our neighbours, to so-called recommend this Christ to them. We cannot force them to believe, but we only can point them to Christ. We are but signboards pointing people to Christ. And if they are inclined to us to hear this gospel, when they hear the word being preached, they will believe in him. And verse 42, when they grow, they will come to know Christ more in the scriptures itself. And also second point that we know about coming to faith, Faith comes to its growth, strength, and maturity by hearing the testimony of Christ himself. This goes further than recommending uh, Christ to our acceptance. But, but, it, is in, but it is it's not just that, but it is bringing us to faith in Christ Jesus, the hearing of his words. We are so-called. We are, we are supposed to look into scriptures by saying to those who told us that in themselves they have found eternal life. But when we ourselves have found it in them too, we have we need to experience the enlightening, and the convincing, regenerating, sanctifying, comforting power of the word. Now we believe not by their saying but because we have searched the scriptures ourselves and our faith stands not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is taken from 1 Corinthians. You know, we think about this. We need to think about this a lot more. Why, why do we need? read the scriptures? Why do we need to interpret the scriptures? Why do we need to understand the scriptures? It's because the very fact that this is what God has placed in front of us. For us to grow, for us to grow closer with God, scripture cannot go out of the picture. Many of us, often of times today, people think that the relationship between us and God is through hymns, it's through songs of praises, it's only through this hymns. Yes, this is part of it. We cannot go without singing hymns and praises to God. But this is not the only means of it. This should not be the only means of it. Many people, as I shared with you guys before, goes to church in for service. It's not really a service, but the time was an event. Everyone was hyped during the music. Everyone was so high, so in the spirit, in the spirit, so-called. But yet, when it comes to the sharing of the scriptures, everyone fell asleep. Everyone fell asleep. Can you imagine stepping into service and everyone just goes there for the worship and falling asleep when the preacher gets onto the stage? Where do we really ground ourselves in? Is it in the, just the experience of the music? 
we ground ourselves in, in the word of God. Another thing, do we just listen to one person preaching and one person's interpretation of the scripture? This is of great danger because this has happened before. It's called the Roman Catholic Church. There's always been one Pope that rules everyone. There will always be that time. Whatever the Pope says, it goes. That is a very dangerous position to hold. That it allows one man and one man only to interpret scriptures. Many cults does that. The JW, they have the watchtower where every interpretation must be from the watchtower. Even for Mormons, the interpretations of Joseph Smith is run by the prophet, the head prophet of today. You even to look at the look at the Mormon history, you see about Brigham Young and how he has changed the whole Mormon faith. It's something dangerous for us. It's a dangerous trap for us to go. One of the reasons why the reformers pushed for the scriptures to be in the common language, to push for the scriptures for everyone to be able to read it. Yes, literacy rate was low. Yes, many the scripture printing was expensive, but they pushed for it for a simple reason, because they do not want people to be ignorant about the scriptures, especially Christians should not be ignorant about it. We should not not know the scriptures. You know, little action comes into play into our own discipline about it. When the pastor is preaching, do we open our scriptures? Do we look at the text itself and what it says? I'm not saying that you are going to critique the pastor or whatnot. But uh, I believe that certain conversations with pastor regarding uh, scriptures text which they preach is of good it's, it's good but nonetheless do we open this very scripture itself to the very passage that the pastor is preaching do we look at the passage and see whether the pastor is preaching the passage or not it's going back to the same experience that I had last time when the pastor started preaching I was one of the few people who had a bible opened B is a phone or physical Bible. That is another issue altogether. But I was the one of the few people that had my Bible open in the first place. And you know what's the funny thing? The preacher herself was on the wrong passage. Uh, she said, for example, Mark 10 verse 11, but the actual verse is Mark uh, 5 verse 11, something like that. This kind of discrepancy. I'm not saying that this kind of discrepancy wouldn't happen. If you don't even have your scriptures open, how will we even notice that these things are missing? For our own self, if we truly study scriptures, sometimes we can pick up false teachings that is going around the Christian church today as a whole. There's many wrong teachings going out out there. And these wrong teachings are fueled by the ignorance of Christians who do not know the scriptures for themselves. There's a lot of downfalls that this will occur. I'll end us off with a verse here in John, First John chapter nine. Uh, sorry, First John chapter five, verses nine to ten. 
says here, if we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has spawned concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. His son in John has always been referred to as the word, the word that became flesh. So my recommendation for all of us is really to start looking deeper into scriptures and not just the surface level of the word itself. So I will end us off here today. Uh, I have Sissing, can you close us in prayer? Amen. All right, thank you very much. Uh, that's it for me today. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow for YPF. All right, please take care, everyone. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye bye. <coughs> you want to stay, stay. Yes, 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 boss.